0: Right, so this is episode 88 of the podcast, and before we start, I just thought I'd say... Fuck off, Pete. Right, no. let's get out of the way nice and early. Pete's smiling, he's laughing there. I've done him <laughs> I've done him good and proper. He's got no retort, because I'm talking now unless he interrupts me with some of his fucking sound pads. So just for, just for good measure... Fuck off, Pete. Uh, I'm going to do it again there. Um, Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fuck. But yeah... I, Oh, see, he tried, he tried, but I spoke over him, you see.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it's been a while, on it? I know it's been a while, and I know every time we do one of these, I'm always like, oh, I want to do more, and I do want to do more. But honestly, getting older, this motherfucker is, is something else <laughs> now, honestly. All the jet-setting and stuff, uh, it's just getting even more intense in it. So how the fuck are you doing anyway, Pete? You fucking hard-to-find motherfucker. <laughs> How dare you?
1: Blame it on me. Oh, my goodness. I've been waiting, waiting, anticipating another podcast with you. And you have been so busy with your career and your tour and all these things. Now, I've been busy myself. Yeah, crazy. Actually, it's going to get really crazy real soon. Uh, I'm getting ready to go to Italy and then Prague and then Barcelona and then. Oh, here we go. Here
0: uh, we go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> no nah, it, it happens every year it's not like it's uh, super special it's mainly work but yeah it's just uh right around this time every year i have to do like a little bit of a low-key uh european work tour
0: it's mainly work isn't it be honest how much work a day about 20 minutes <laughs> listen they say yeah, uh, listen to what you know, brother, you, know <laughs> that it's true. you know you're like right fucking hell right i'm sat here by this pool let's send five emails Oh, what a busy day's work that's been! Oh Jesus, I best sit by this pool for another fucking ten hours.
1: <laughs> uh, not exactly. I'd, I'd say half an hour. I will say this: it's a, it is a lot of hard work, but it's also a great, you know, it's an honor, it's an opportunity to see the world and see and see cool things. So I'm certainly not complaining, but uh, it's but the the bad part is is I I uh, obviously my schedule for podcasting is limited. So, but I'm super glad to do this with you, man. I'm happy to see you.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm always happy to see you, mate. Always happy to see you. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, th- that first year, we were just on a roll, weren't we? Like once a week, every fucking week, we were pumping out episodes. And I don't know. I mean, as, as we've discussed, my life's changed quite dramatically and i think Pete's says as well the fucking do you know what i mean he's just climbing higher and higher up that corporate ladder <laughs> is pete yeah right <laughs>
1: <laughs> no what it was is it was covid when we first started so it was like yeah let's podcast all the time and it was great i i loved it it was for me it was the best part of covid
0: <laughs> well yeah no absolutely yeah there is an element of truth to that um i would like i would like to do more i'd always like to do more but yeah yeah uh, you know, we really appreciate people sort of, you know, I know it was a regular thing originally, and now it's kind of as and when, but, hey, man, you know, when the episode comes out, people people enjoy listening to it. People enjoy listening to it. So, um, so yeah, that's good. But, yeah, I thought we'd start with something regarding the reissues because I know it's been very quiet on that front. And like, like, like you all know, it... Um, we're kind of in the dark as, as much as you guys are to a degree. So anyway, we have been given the release dates, specific release dates, and um, eh, the 10th month is October, isn't it? Yes, it is. October, November, December. So the 13th of October is the scheduled date for the first two reissues for the first album and the second album. The 13th. Now... Look, I'm telling you that because that's the information we've got, right? But, I mean, that's like in seven days, is it? I think that's in seven days. Yeah, day, isn't that's, it? So that's, that's like next in, week. Yeah, next week. Next week, in theory, for those two, and then third album and the singles collection, that is supposed to be the 2nd of February, looking at this. Now, obviously, that could well be the case. But, yeah, the 13th is when... They're supposed to be coming out, and I know that I'm going to, you know, having said that, I'm probably going to have loads of people going, well, where can I get them? Where can I pre-order them? All this sort of stuff. The bottom line is I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> and we don't know. Do you know what I mean? As as I described in the previous podcasts, it's it's something that's been do, uh, done entirely in-house by UMG. So um, we just don't have a clue. Yeah. For all I know, on the 13th, they might be available. I don't know where from. Do you know what I mean? There's been a few people saying, asking me, you know, are they available through Townsend? No, no, nothing like that. I, I literally don't know. I wish I could tell you. Um, You know, I always presumed it was going to be through the usual avenues that you'd acquire these things. Um, for all I know, it might still be the case. Uh, one thing I can do later on today is I'll just send a few emails and just see if there's any more concrete information that I can then pass on to you guys. Cause as I know, there's a lot of your champing at the bit. Um, you'll notice I did use the correct word champing there. You could people say chomping at the bit. It's like, what it's champing horses champ at the bit. Anyway, that's a side note. Um, I always yeah, thought it was chomping. I, I'm learning was, something right now. <laughs> you thought it was chomping. I did. I did. I have to say <laughs> it's champing. It's champing at the bit. You know, the bit that horses have in the mouths. I guess I don't know.
1: I'd never paid attention. <laughs> I thought he was like chomping like he was hungry, you know.
0: <laughs> no, they they have what something got in the mouth called a bit, and when they chew down on that it's called champing. Oh. So they're champing at the bit. What do you know? I learned something today. Thank you. <laughs> Great stuff. <laughs> yeah, trust me I'm not wrong on that. I am not wrong on that. Probably a lot of people going. Eh? <laughs> that is the case. It's champing at the bit. Uh so yeah, you're all champing at the bit for it and um yeah, I don't know what to tell you, man. They'll be here when they'll be here and I promise I'll continue to give you um whatever updates I've got. But yeah, I'm not I'm I'm <laughs> Yeah. I don't <laughs> that's well, not about as much as I know right now on that front.
1: <laughs> and for us folks in the U.S., we will not be chomping or champing because uh, there's no uh, access to it.
0: I, I hear that's correct. Yeah, you will be importing. I would imagine, uh, and yeah. there'll be some sort of import situation. I don't know. I mean, there might be ways around it. I've, I've seen a couple of people. Um, a couple of people in the U S talking to some people on the UK forums and, you know, there's people quite willing to say, look, man, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it and post it to you. It's probably going to be cheaper than ordering and importing. So I think there'll be lots of people willing to do that. I mean, that's one great thing about, uh, you know, the music and, it's the community, do you know what I mean? And how much people uh, are willing to help each other out like that, do you know what I mean? We've got we've got a yeah. a lot of a lot of cool um, people as fans, really. And you know, I think that was uh, self evident from Temple News and really, and the whole vibe that were there. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Just it was just such a such a, a such a good atmosphere. And I've been to a lot of those things, and do you know what I mean. It can be a bit well. I don't know. Some of those situations could be not that nice. Do you know what I mean? When you've got loads of people together for music events like that, they can sometimes kick off or bloody fighting in crowd. But no, we've got a lot of helpful people as fans. So yeah, I'm sure people in the US will, will be able to get hold of them, you know, somehow, you know, even if they import them properly themselves, but I think there'll be other ways around that. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll send some to you, Pete. It's, it's interesting that though. I wonder if we'll, we'll even get any. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if we'll even get, like, a complimentary box or two. Probably you not. Know? I, I,
1: to me, it just seems like you guys are com- – this is, like, a business transaction for this company, and you guys are removed from it. Like, you're literally just, to them, just a product, and it doesn't matter who it is. They're, they're just going to sell it. That's what it seems like I, from the outside.
0: No, I think, I think that on the face of it, I think that's um, – I think that's probably true. I think that's probably true. I think these things are always pushed by someone. Do you know what I mean? And I think the the guy that runs Play It Again Sam is a fan of the band, which is nice. But yeah, I I you know, obviously when we were making records before, when everything would finish, you'd just a box would turn up at your house and do you know what I mean, it'd just be like 50 vinyls in there and wow god knows how many cds all sorts of stuff like that but yeah something tells me that i think you're right on that front I i don't think that is going to be happening in this case but hey you never know stranger things have happened but yeah i think they're doing i think also they're doing four thousand of each do you know what i mean so there probably will be some kicking around um although it would be great if whenever they do come out if um, they do sell out because, you know, if it's chart eligible and that, it, that might be kind of cool. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I've seen, I've seen some people saying, well, you guys aren't getting lion's share of it, so I'm not buying. I can understand that logic to a degree, but I think it would be cool if people did have half a mind to buy it. Just buy it because it could bump us up into a chart position and that in turn could open um you know new people up to our music or people who haven't heard us so yeah man you never know what can happen in that regard it would be nice to get it back in the charts 20 years after it came out or whatever 22 oh, yeah. i don't bloody know there's been loads of anniversaries recently god
1: that would be pretty crazy if it i mean it's certainly what i love about it, especially the first album all albums honestly but the first album it's very timeless like it it wasn't certainly uh it didn't it didn't reflect a certain time even when it came out like it was immediately yeah. like a timeless album so it makes me want to go back and uh, listen to the podcast episode or we actually you even did a, we did a video recording of it as well of when the whole band was on and we walked through every track on the first album that was yeah. a, that, that was a fun one we got to uh I, I, I got to re-listen to that one again now that I'm thinking about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, that was that was a good episode. I mean, I think that was back when I was still a little bit like nervous about doing these. Do you know what I mean? And a bit like uh, don't know. It'd be nice to it would be nice to do something like that again, really. But um, yeah, that was a great episode. That was that was really cool. Got a, got a lot of players as well. People really enjoyed that. I think people enjoy hearing from everyone in the band. Do you know what I mean? And talking about actually recording it and all those things. It's always going to be good.
1: Yeah, it's always nice to hear the the backstories of like what was going on at that moment when it was recording and things like that. It's so a fun little, it's almost like watching like a director's cut of a movie, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which will just be all of us, like with gaffer beards on and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we were such a bunch of kids. I mean, literally, as well as, you know, figuratively, we were just a proper bunch of kids. Do you know what I mean? We We didn't. That was the thing with us. We we just had this ability to make music like that, but we were just idiots. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't. I think when people spend time with us, I don't think you could equate us to the music we we make or made. Do you know what I mean? I bet. I bet. We just used to lack like about yeah, all I the just,
1: time. I mean, I think about like a, an 18-year-old now, like, and I think about like, what am I going to have in common with an 18-year-old in terms of conversation? But then to imagine that these 18-year-olds put out this album that I absolutely love, it's its a quite, it's quite a contrast, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then you're like, oh, where are they? Oh, they're all playing hide-and-seek somewhere. I think one of them's in a cupboard <laughs> or something. <laughs> a
1: keepy-uppies or whatever.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, that's not too bad. That's just passing time. But yeah, we were... Um, We were quite silly. But like I say, you know, we never, we never took anything seriously uh, apart from when we were making music. And as much as I do say that, it was just such a natural thing for us. Do you know what I mean? The, the, The writing, the recording, all those sorts of things. It was, it was really just a natural process. And I think we were at our best when we were. Well, you know, liking about having a laugh. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Things things weren't too serious. We didn't really have to worry about much. I mean, because that's the whole thing when you're when you're a band and you've got any sort of profile that's maybe becoming even more elevated. Is it's a lot of people's jobs to cover your world or in cotton wool. Basically, that's how that's that's genuinely how you know managers, tall managers, people like that um, describe their role. It's to cover the band's world in cotton wool, which has its merits, but also you know it, it, there are problems that come from that. There are problems that come from that because you you know you 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 go through quite an important part of your adolescence and into early adulthood having not had to do the sort of shit that most people do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, whenever I've ever got on a plane, I've turned up somewhere looking really blurry-eyed and pissed off and just got on the plane. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember once I had to to fly back from America on my own, and I just remember getting to the airport and thinking, I don't have a fucking clue what I'm supposed to do here. I don't know where I'm meant to go or any of that sort of stuff, but... Yeah, you know, your, your, your day-to-day life generally gets gets covered in cotton wool and you just get to piss about <laughs> and be <laughs> children. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think, as I've alluded to on this podcast and other times, that our relationships within the band, I think, were best when we were just being silly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When we were just larking about and, and being kids. And I think it provided us with a a great sense of escapism from the situation we were in as well do you know what i mean because whenever we tried to talk about anything serious together we never really got anywhere do you know what i mean like how our friendship and relationship dynamics worked we were just really we we're totally at our strongest when we were just making light of everything and like i say maybe that was a defense mechanism maybe that was a massive defense mechanism because uh, you know the ages we were at and the things we were doing and that it was all you know, quite overawing, so to speak, and quite scary in some senses as well when you when you really get a feel for, like, you know, the, the machine as a whole. And, you know, I'm talking about all the things that happen around you, the record company. You know, you, you realize that you need to get it right and you always need to get it right as a band because this has grown into something more than just us four making tunes above a pub. Do you know what i mean and if you if you really stare at that fact too long it becomes paralyzing and really fucking scary so yeah i think i think that's why we we used to mess about as much as we did and it's probably the same on tour as well do you know what i mean and i've probably said before a lot of people probably look at touring and think oh god i'd love to do that it sounds amazing and yeah don't get me wrong there there are really cool elements elements to it but it it is a it is a difficult, stressful existence is that, especially like living out of suitcases and and that whole vibe. Um, But yeah, I remember, I remember several occasions where like Tim or Tony like turned around to us and we're just like, you're just a bunch of fucking children, you lot, aren't you? You're like, yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? As we're having a food fight in the fucking dressing room and shit like that. And Tony's like, "Uh, who's going to clear all this up? you're like, well, I don't know. Not me. Are you going to do it? (laughs) If you're not going to do it, then shut up and fuck off, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God, yeah. We were we were quite terrible in that regard. Um, but, yeah, I mean, speaking of all that as well, it's not long until this tour starts. Right, yeah. The Adam Nutter tour is on. Let's do it. Yeah, the Adam Nutter and Experiment 637. Don't forget, it's a core headline tour, something which I'm, I'm keen for people to be aware of. Because, um, obviously, on these sorts of things, it can be, like... Do you know what I mean? When you've got two bands going on tour, there's a little bit of ah. like politics, maybe, where someone's like, well, we should be on first or we should be on first or and I'll never forget touring with the Vines. And um, was it first or second night? I can't remember which one it was. Obviously, it was the Vines tour and we were headlining. And Craig, uh, Craig Nichols, obviously the singer, sort of came over to us all and we're like, look, um, I think you guys should headline. Do you know what I mean? You're You're better than us. And it's like, uh don't think it works like that <laughs> yeah. i don't think i don't think it works like that mate that's probably a bad example anyway but um yeah it is a core headline tour it's a core headline tour so we're going to be taking it in turns um i realise though that there's people out there who are like well what time are you going to be on then because that's maybe going to affect people's travel arrangements yeah. or things like that but you know i'd like to think that people will come and watch both bands yeah, you know come I mean? for the whole
1: show. That's what it's about, right? I mean
0: Yeah, exactly, man. I'd like to think people will get there for the first band and then stay till the end. I mean, obviously, you know, people might have commitments and things like that, which you you know, you can't do anything about that if people are like, Well, I can only be there at that time and then I've got to leave. Fair enough. But yeah, it is a it is a cool headline tour. Um really looking forward to that now. I've been practicing loads and loads, um, getting ready for that. Do you know what I mean? Making it all second nature. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's, you know, I never thought I'd get to kind of do anything like it. I mean, you know, I know it's not like a massive tour or anything, but I do know, eight, eight dates across the UK, do you know what I mean? In some cool little venues. Oh man, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. There's there's going to be some grueling moments though, like um, Glasgow and London's going to be interesting just because of how far apart they are and the drive and stuff like that. But that's all just part and parcel of touring. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, and it'd be great to get Mickey Dale on the podcast, actually. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have time to do that before the actual tour, but no, that would be really cool because he's a really great guy. I've not actually spent a lot of time with Ronan, the other chap in the band, um, so I can't speak directly for him. But Mickey, you know, Mickey's such a lovely bloke and, you know, very experienced in the music industry. He's been in Embrace touring for, you know, over 20 years and stuff. And he's just generally a really interesting guy and um, he's got a lot of ideas about a lot of things. And, but quite a lot like me in some in a sense that he's just got pure enthusiasm for stuff and gets carried away easily creatively do you know all those things uh very much like myself really but yeah the first night is in york isn't it it's york at the fulford arms which looks like a sweet little venue man uh, i was trying to remember if the music ever played york and i do remember we once played york fibbers now i have no idea what tour that was something tells me it was a strength in numbers tour because by that point we were playing smaller venues um because yeah i mean our profile had diminished a bit by that point i mean christ as we've discussed some people didn't even know we had a bloody third album that came out
1: is that um, is that is that old york is it, like the original york Because i know there's like new york but i don't know if i'd know <laughs> about york is that is that like is that where it all started
0: <laughs> i did not know what the hell you were on about then i'm thinking what what are you talking about um so yeah, I've established now that I think Pete was trying to make a joke there. I mean, it was it was kind of thin and tenuous, <laughs> but I'll take it. I'll take it anyway. Uh, York is York is a very historic, um, uh, you know, town in the UK. Yes, but it's not in any way related to New York, Pete. No. Oh, okay.
1: Okay. Just checking. You never know. <laughs> oh, for
0: fuck's sake! Back <laughs> Fuck off, Pete. <laughs> oh man. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. So York first, and then it's Hull. Um, we actually have some, we have, we've had some brilliant gigs in Hull, as I've talked about many times, Hull Adelphi. Uh, that was our second proper gig ever. First one were Manchester Roadhouse on his first ever tour. Then we went and did the Hull Adelphi, which is like someone's living room and the stage was a load of milk crates. And yeah, man, that I've just got such mental fond memories of that gig. I really have. Um, yeah, that was that it's you know, the, we had a brilliant time there. And then we did Hull University as well. And um anyone who wrote that gig probably remembers that the sound cut off halfway through. And that's because some genius put his fucking pint on the sound desk <laughs> and then he was told he was told, Can you stop putting that on the sound desk, please? He did it again and knocked it over and Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Some people, yeah. Uh, yeah
1: (laughs) i must have just been panicked though like for (laughs) for the sound guy Well, i
0: mean yeah exactly i mean we don't know what the hell's going on you know what i mean all we're like is oh god what's this another power cut or something i don't know how they got that sorted you know because we did it it did come back on i don't know i don't know what happened there it's not like they fucking dried the thing out and i can't i can't remember to be honest i can't remember how long it took to um sort that out but yeah so you got york hull and then it's manchester Manchester Castle, which um, I know that probably sounds very grand, but I would imagine it's just like uh, just a little room. Do you know what I mean? It's proper going back to grassroots. Is this tour um, very much like the music's first tour and just playing little venues? So yeah, man, no, that'll be good. We've we've had some cracking gigs in Manchester, uh, probably too many to remember. Actually, some of the most memorable ones have been Manchester Apollo, though. In fact, both times because we did Apollo, we we did the Apollo supporting Oasis, didn't we? And then we did it on our own. And yeah, I remember like, it's a fucking brilliant room. It's Manchester Apollo. But yeah, that was like at the height of everything, man. Do you know what I mean? That's when we were, that's when we were a fucking big deal. But yeah, no, that was really good. And then we got Birmingham. Yeah, we've done shitloads of really cool gigs in Birmingham as well. Is it the Carling Academy we always used to play in Birmingham? In fact, yeah, that's the place where the dressing room is like up in the fucking attic. And it's like miles away. You've got to walk down all these little windy corridors. And it probably takes about three or four minutes to actually get to the stage. And that was a time where we were actually sat in the dressing room. And while we were sat in the dressing room, suddenly. I hear the intro start, <laughs> and I'm like, "What the fuck? Who the fuck has pressed that?" Do you know what I mean? And they were like, "Right, everyone." So we had to run down to the stage. And of course, you know, when you're doing intro, it's all about drama, and it's all about coming in at the right time in right. sync with the intro, and then being able to play the first note when the uh, when the intro ends. I remember walking to the stage, going, "I can't wait till after this gig because I am going to skin." whoever turned that intro on without me telling him to do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. because once you've, once you've started it you can't then stop it do you know oh what yeah I mean? yeah, yeah. that's it,
1: it it's already started so now you guys yeah. just need to get in there
0: <laughs> well i think we arrived on the stage probably about a minute after the fucking intro for it, i just walked oh my out goodness of wow. oh yeah no we did we didn't make it oh, i just okay. walked out on stage with my arms raised just going what the fuck <laughs> And that was, uh, um, I think that was the gig that Deg came to as well, because Deg, my best friend, actually came out on tour with us a couple of times, uh, which was always funny because he'd last about a day and a half, a day and three quarters, and then just looked like he was half dead. <laughs> and he'd be like, mate, how do you do this? It's like, I don't know. You just do it every day. I need to sleep for a
1: week. Uh, Deg, I'm still mad at Deg for putting his wife and marriage in front of the the music tour so i didn't get to meet him when i when we went to Tempo, yeah so.
0: no that is yeah. a big shame man that is a big shame <laughs> in lots of regards because i would have loved deg and the girls to have seen that gig um but <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah no it would have been it would have been really cool for him to meet you as well um but i'm sure that opportunity will arise no doubt absolutely so yeah that's your cool manchester birmingham and then the sheffields um yeah done some great gigs in sheffield lead mill have we actually done, oh, we did Sheffield Arena, didn't we, with Kasabian? Oh, Christ. Have we done any other gigs in Sheffield? I'm sure someone listening to this podcast will be like, yes, yeah, so you played there with them, then you did that. and then you- <laughs> 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 But I do remember doing, Um, I do remember supporting Kasabian at Sheffield Arena. That was a bit weird, really. That was a weird time. That was a weird time in the band. Um, and we've had lots of those. We've had lots of those. To be fair, sorry, I'm going, going off on the thought <laughs> process there. Uh, yeah, Sheffield, Huddersfield, then it's Glasgow and London. So um, how are these remember- dates,
1: like, uh, organized? Do they do it some... Yeah, is there some, like, attention to, like, where they're located or is it just based on availability and you're shooting all over the whole freaking country?
0: Well, to be fair, it's... it's re- I mean, it's actually an age-old conversation, is this really... Uh, it's typical, and I'm sure it's probably the same in every industry, in every business. I'm sure you'll... Have it, Pete, in your line of work. But I mean, to start with, you'd think, yeah, it would be all sort of geographically arranged to make the most sense, but life just don't work like that. Do you know what I mean? And venues availabilities doesn't necessarily work like that either. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of There's a lot of um A lot of logistics go into planning the tour like this, and that's why I'm very grateful for the help that I've had from Wasserman, who are a brilliant company. Uh, Well, one of the biggest companies in the UK for what they do. In fact, worldwide, I think. But yeah, what, what tends to happen is someone will put the tour together in terms of the dates, where they are, and all that sort of stuff. Then that gets to the band, the tour manager and everything. And then the band and tour manager sit down and go, What the fuck is who the fuck how the hell are we meant to get from there to there in in that time? Who the fuck has done that? And then you end up like emails flying around and people are like, look, it, it is what it is. That's that's what we've been able to organize. But I think that probably happens in every industry, doesn't it? Where there's people like on the ground doing the work and then there's not even necessarily superiors, but sort of people in the logistical end of things, go, right, this is the plan. And then all the people that execute the plan basically just sit there and go, oh my God, you've got no idea, have you? you have any idea how much of a ball it this is going to be to get across there? And I mean, it can be even worse in America, especially if you're driving, because I mean, it's the same here in terms of tacos, you know, like drivers can only drive for so long, although that's all bollocks, by the way, just as a little inside word. There's no such thing as a taco. You can buy your way out of it. And I'm sure there's lots of people listening will be like, oh my God, that's really dangerous. Yeah, that's how the fucking world works, I'm afraid. That's how the world works. Look, my taco's up. I'm not legally allowed to drive anymore. But if you put a load of money in my back pocket, the previous 10 seconds will disappear and I'll carry on driving. That's what? how that shit works. I ain't mentioning any names to get anyone in trouble, but no one fucking pays attention to that crap. What's a taco? 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 Yeah, taco. is It's your driver's taco, so that's like, when you you clock on when you start driving and you're only allowed to drive Ah. for a certain amount of time, you're literally only allowed to drive for a certain amount of time. I don't know the ins and outs. I just know, I couldn't tell you the figures in terms of the hours or I don't know if it's mileage based. I think it's time based. So, you know, we have had it in the past where the driver is just pulled up randomly, like 20 minutes away from the gig. Yeah. And they're like, I'm sorry, my taco's up. I can't go anywhere now for don't know do they have to have seven or eight hours rest i'm not sure i don't know the ins and outs like that but yeah i do know that in a lot of instances it's just a lever or a lever as i'd call it it's a lever for someone to go you're going to pay me money that's not on anyone's books and that's going to go in my pocket that's what's going to happen right now if you want to get there in time you're going to pay me i'm not saying that they engineered it like that but there are scenarios where you're like look I appreciate your fucking tacos up, but we've got to get there. We've got we we'll we've got like four hours from now to get everything the whole gig set up and do it. Like we've got to fucking go. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I mean it, uh, to be honest, that's a an interesting long conversation in itself. Really, the the amount the the sort of shit I've seen specifically in America from bus drivers. Yeah, I mean the truth of, of of the driving situation, how that all works, would terrify what I'd refer to as law-abiding people. Do you know what I mean? People who proper follow the rules and never dare go outside it. But you know, how do you think? Um, how do you think bus drivers stay awake for so long? Cocaine, amphetamines. Just kidding. <laughs> amphetamines. Yeah, I'm fucking serious. I'm deadly serious. The uh, the Music and
1: More podcast does not condone the use of drugs or breaking the law.
0: <laughs> that is absolutely true but i am just recounting history here i'm simply <laughs> recounting what i've witnessed and you know whether this ter- this episode turned into that i've got a lot i've got a lot of stories and a lot i could say about bus drivers specifically in america and you know with it being such a massive um landmass do you know what i mean it 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 lends itself to these sort of situations where you know you have bus drivers abusing drugs, you know, namely amphetamines. I've I've literally watched it happen, do you know what I mean? And the bizarre thing is, like, because I were always quite sensible as a kid myself. I mean, you know, I, I know I like smoke weed and that, but, uh, you know, the first thing that runs through my head when the driver has quite clearly just gone for a fix is, motherfucker, this guy's driving us around. Do you know what yeah. I mean? This guy's driving us around and he's off his nut, but...
1: Yeah, they have this bus from raleigh north carolina that goes straight into manhattan new york city which is a you know it's a pretty long drive i mean i would say that that's like uh it's definitely an overnight drive it's about depending on the car that you have it could be 12 hours you know 10 hours you know depending on you know where but it's pretty long drive and it's an overnight drive so they get this cheap bus that leaves and and it drops you off in chinatown and it's really really shady like when you get on this bus you're just like okay am i gonna get robbed people are smoking on the bus and it's it's real and it's super cheap it's like this really cheap overnight bus and so a lot of times you know like people will take it because like well it's only it's only 50 bucks and i can get to manhattan so you know i'll be there in the morning uh and for the longest time i was like that's probably not a bad idea that's probably not a bad idea and then it finally (laughs) the bus the guy who one of the guys who was driving it crashed and killed a bunch of people because he was oh really yeah 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 he fell asleep at the wheel and uh well i was like yeah maybe i won't do that
0: (laughs) yeah um i mean I've had some hair-raising incidents on a bus. I don't even know if hair-raising is the right word. Absolutely downright fucking terrifying moments I've had on tour buses in America. Um, One of the biggest ones that comes to mind, I don't know if I've told this brief story or not, there's tons of these, there really are tons of them, but... Obviously, you know, you know, the freeways in America, some of them, they're kind of raised up, aren't they? With like bankings either side. Yeah. Oh, that's, you know, sort of in a lot of my experience anyway. And I've like, no word of a lie, we were on this fucking freeway and I felt the bus drifting over to the right and then it went up on two wheels and started <laughs> to tip. Fucking started to tip. And you've got this huge bloody... Banking down oh. the other side, so it had just fucking rolled. I remember looking at David, sound engineer, and we both went white as a sheet. And then the bus driver, right at the last minute, righted the bus and ragged it back. I f- I went absolutely ape shit at that guy, me, because I were behind him. I went, I- I'm sure I've told this story somewhere, but I don't know. I went absolutely mental. can <laughs> remember what I was saying, <laughs> but pretty much along the lines of, "Don't be fucking trying to kill me." Do you know what I mean? Jesus Christ. <laughs> But it's, you know, it's, it's been something, it's been something that's always been a bit of an issue and wherever we've been, you know, I remember getting picked up from an airport in Italy by a driver and the fucking guy must've been doing 130 miles an hour. Yeah.
1: Well, that's no surprise.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Just down, down the fucking motorway. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not the kind of guy to just sit in the back and be like, well, he's in control. Do you know what I mean? He's like you're seeing all these near misses and all this shit, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is this is going to take decades off me." And um, that was quite a common thing that you get picked up by these fucking insane drivers. Yeah, I mean, I know Italy and well, a lot of Europe anyway. Driving is um, what's the word? a lot more laissez-faire shall we say a lot more just like yeah i'm driving and whatever happens is going to happen do you know what i mean whereas it's not quite like that in the uk don't get me wrong some fucking idiots
1: but yeah um well dude i was in the air force uh too many years to mention back but this was back in the day when the cars in europe didn't have steel reinforced bars in in the cars themselves like in the the states they've had it forever but but in in like spain and italy these were just like tinfoil cars driving around these little Ford (laughs) Fiestas, you know, and they're doing like, you know, 130 miles an hour, just flying around. And then when you see one of these things wreck, it's like crumpled up tinfoil. You know, like like there's no way somebody survived that wreck. But yeah, they drive. Yeah. Like caution to the wind.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, being in a band that you do a lot of traveling. So I guess that sort of puts you in a situation where you're going to see a lot more of this stuff um, than maybe you usually would. But yeah, there's been absolutely tons of incidents where you're like, oh my God, did we just literally nearly die? I remember going, we were in LA and we were going out to Palm Springs because we'd been invited to the Paul, is it Paul Frank? Paul Smith, Paul Frank. I can't remember. It was, a, it was a clothing company and it had a monkey as the logo. I think it was Paul Frank and it was based out in Palm Springs and we were driving out there and again, just some driver and I was sat in the back looking forward. We're tanking down this fucking road and then all of a sudden I'm like, um, yeah, the, uh, this is me thinking to myself, uh, yeah, all that traffic in front of us that we're hurtling towards is fucking stationary. <laughs> and we were literally about to fly into this stationary traffic. And to be fair to the guy, I don't know if he won't paying attention. Well, he must not have been fucking paying attention. Right at the last second, he managed to pull onto the hard shoulder. I don't know what you guys call it, uh, but he managed to like just pull onto the hard shoulder just to avoid. Uh, and yeah. when once he got onto the hard shoulder, we must have gone 10 or 20 cars past. And that was with him properly braking. With him braking, my goodness. Yeah. So we'd have all been dead there. Yeah. We'd have all been dead with that speed of impact. And as mad as I was, I reached straight forward and put my hand on his shoulder and just went, "Well done, you've just <laughs> fucking saved his life there. Thank you." Yeah, yeah. But I mean that—that's just another one out of um well, out of a hell of a lot of incidents. I remember an incident in the Rocky Mountains where we tried reversing, we missed a turning basically, and the the bus driver tried to reverse. Back to get it and we were all in the back lounge and the fucking trailer jackknifed and came through the back lounge came through the window the actual trailer it folded round on itself oh yeah man yeah fucking all sorts of magic like that it's chaos. all sorts of bad shit
1: i hope that doesn't happen on this new tour man hopefully it'll be nice and smooth <laughs>
0: Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, one of the—I mean, you know—you talk about the logistics. Of our tours put together. One of the things they tried to do for this tour was um, make it so we can effectively drive to the gig, do the gig, and then drive home back to our own beds. Yeah, because obviously, then you know, you you're cutting costs right down because that's where that's where costs start to go insane on tours. Um, is you know. When, you, when you're paying for accommodation and things, yeah, and it always, used yeah. to, it always used to be a bugbear for me because, you know, and, and think about it, everyone who's listening to this, when you're spending months and months on a bus with like 12, 13 people, when you have a day off, you want your own space. And as much as we all, you know, we were all mates or whatever, I used to fucking hate sharing rooms. But so literally, I'd be like, look, on days off, can't we just get our rooms? Do you know what I mean? And then the management would be like, all right, take that principle and apply it across this whole tour. And then think about how much money that costs. Yeah. And it's difficult because at the time you're like, I don't give a shit. Do you know what I mean? I don't care how much money it's going to cost. I want my own space. And they're just like, well, no. And you know, it's like, it's my fucking money. It's our money. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, luckily the kid, you got us advising you. Yeah. And I know it might not be ideal, but trust me, it's much more ideal than you getting to the end of the tour and going, what the hell is this bill for? Uh, that's for all your single rooms, mister. <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah, that always used to be a fucking bone of contention. I can't remember how I got onto that. What was I talking about? Just
1: tours in general and pricing and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, I remember we had this one drive because... Do you know what? Like bus drivers could often make or break a tour in some senses. Do you know what I mean? Like some bus drivers just like to keep themselves to themselves, and they never really any bother, and they just turn up and drive, and that's fine. But you do get some who just like really add to it. Do you know what I mean? And make and make the experience like a lot better. And I remember we had this one driver, and we had to. We were going from the U S into Canada. So obviously we were going through the border and we're all waiting in the waiting area. And the tour manager comes up to us and says, "Uh, we're going to have to get a new bus driver. And I'm like, "Uh, why? And it turned out that this guy uh, had actually been convicted of, (laughs) I don't know whether it was technically convicted of murder or manslaughter, but, Uh, um, you know, straight away. And I'd actually started talking to the guy and got on with him quite well. So I were like, "Fucking hell, man! What's going on? What's going on here?" And he, and he basically killed someone with a shotgun. Oh wow! Yeah. And so you're like, "Oh my god! <laughs> what the Who the hell are we working with here?" But I had a conversation with him about it, and he were like, "Look, I turned up. Uh, my sister rang me up, screaming in distress." told me to get there straight away. I turned up at her house and she was on the floor being beaten by a boyfriend who was beating her with a baseball bat, basically. So the bloke, he said, the bloke then went and got a gun. And he said, I just thought really quickly. And I just thought, I've got a shotgun in my boot. He's probably going to kill my sister. So I'm going to go to my boot, get my shotgun out and shoot him. And that's what he did. Wow. Fucking killed him dead. But I mean... I think a lot of people have probably done the same in that situation but yeah we were really young man and I was just like you know, this is absolutely crazy this do you know what I mean what what the hell is going on here that is mental but he was an absolutely lovely bloke and that's what I mean sometimes you get him and they're real assholes, like this other guy we had i never forget we were going through this toll booth and they're obviously given some money over and the guy shortchanged him the, the toll booth guy shortchanged the bus driver fuck me this bloke went absolutely insane. And I think it was something like forty cents. Oh my goodness. And he was like, You can't fuck me over these forty cents and he was just going absolutely fucking mental. And again, you know, like I was quite a nervy kid back then and I was just like, Oh God, this guy's fucking really scary. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, um it's a you know, it's a bit it's a bit different travelling around the UK, especially on tour buses and stuff. It's it's nowhere near as exciting as 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 going around the States on a bus. I mean I used to love it, to be fair. And as much as anything, it was, you know, when you were doing long two- or three-day drives, you're just like, I've got a big bag of weed. I'm just going to sit here, look out the window, and, you know, watch all this fucking landscape go by. Um, And, yeah, there were a couple of times where it's like, look, you can either do a flight to Seattle or you can do a three-day bus drive with the bus driver and all the gear. And I'm just like... (laughs) There's no choice there my friend. I'm going on the bus. People are like you'd rather go on the bus than get a flight. It's like yeah. It's like but you could be in Seattle in a few hours versus two and a half days. I'm like, look, from where I'm standing, you're the idiot here, not me. <laughs> Why do you want to get to Seattle so bad what's there? A bed. I got a fucking bunk here. Do you it's know what I mean? What me. else is there? Food. <laughs> Fucking stop somewhere and get some fucking food. It's absolutely fine. I remember that trip very well, actually. It was just three days of watching films. Just watching films and looking out the fucking window, man. Um what tour was that? Not sure I could remember which tour it actually was. But yeah, man, no, that was uh that was a lot of fun. there has been a lot of mad incidents, uh tour in the US, definitely. But yeah, I think um and I think as much as anything as well, like doing doing any kind of tour at this point in my life is just really, really re- rewarding. Do you know what I mean? And I think I'll I'll look at it in a different way. Whereas back then it was, I don't know, it wasn't uh, not an inconvenience. That's not the right word. But it was always just like, yeah, this is what we do. Do you know what I mean? We're going to be doing this forever, and and you know, obviously that's that's not the case. And it's moments like that where you kind of look back and you're like, oh man, like I wish I'd have known it wasn't going to last forever. Do you know what I mean? And he's like, you. I suppose that's true of anyone in life with experiences like that. If you had the hindsight, you're like, "Oh man," the, the... and it's not even so much the things you'd have done differently; it's just the taking time and deliberate appreciation of special moments. Yeah, the the I'm the, a, the,
1: the American point. version of the Office. There's like a there's like a line. I, I'm pretty sure it's in there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna break it. So apologies to any real Office fans, but there's like one of the last episodes. One of the guys says, uh, "I wish I would have known." that these were the times of my life when I was actually in them, you know, something. Yeah. About, yeah.
0: Like, ah. yeah. No, it's a, uh, it's yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I think that's one thing that's kind of enabled me to, to embrace all that's happened over the last three years with a lot more, um, appreciation. Yeah. 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 Appreciation. Yeah. I think so. And I know. It's not on the same scale and stuff. And I don't know. It's not, it's not like, it's not like we took it for granted or certainly not like in a, not in a bad way. I mean, it probably was that we started to take it for granted, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, you, you really do have some special life affirming moments when you, when you're going through experiences like that. And as you say, you know, you, you, I'm sure everyone will get to a point in their life where you can look back and go, well, that, that actually was the best times. Do you know what I mean? And I didn't really, I wasn't, awake for it do you know what yeah. i mean not yeah. properly, not properly awake for it mentally it was kind of off in my own head or whatever but i don't know um but yeah so the tour's coming up that's going to be really fun and i you know i hope i hope like i say that people come and with the aim hopefully of watching both bands and it's quite nice as well because it kind of half coincides with the fact that badlands on fire has just hit streaming platforms finally after after a long time um, so obviously you know whatever streaming platform you use you'll be able to find my album on there now uh, so for any for any people out there who might not have heard it and might be sort of on the fence about whether they're coming to some of these shows it might just be a good thing for people to listen to the album on Spotify or whatever you listen to and then you can hear it and then you know come to the gigs um, you know it would be great to see as many people as there as possible but However many people are there, it doesn't matter to me whether there's 10, 20, 100, 1,000. It's still, you know, it's still going to be a great experience. And I love playing this album and, you know, I love rehearsing it. And I'm really really looking forward to getting out there and playing it in front of people again. And, um, yeah, doing it sort of over and over again. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting
1: yeah it's very vibey i'm glad i'm really glad it's on spotify now too because obviously i have the album and i also have the digital copy as well but i when i'm in my car that's the most convenient that yeah. i now just pop it on spotify and it's my <laughs> makes my life a lot easier
0: yeah uh, you know like i'm i'm a, i'm aware as as much as anyone that times have changed and quite a few people have messaged me and you know and say like where's your album it's not on spotify don't you know that that's how people listen to music nowadays and that sort of stuff and it's like well what do you want me to do? Do you know what I mean? I can only do things at the pace I can do things and you know um you have to get the right people involved to be able to get it on streaming platforms and luckily I'm at that point in time now where I've just I've done like a little bit of a publishing deal with a company called Ditto And they do all the digital distribution and things like that. Um, So yeah, it's it's really good that it's out there for people because I know not everyone has a CD player and not everyone not everyone has a turntable. And I don't want to um, exclude those people from being able to listen to the album. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's a the whole thing's a very delicate ballet, especially when you you factor in the fact that I've made physicals. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously putting stuff on streaming platforms doesn't really cost anything do you know what i mean that's that's you can just do it uh providing you know the right people and the di- distribution and everything but making the physical copies obviously that that costs money do you know what i mean so it was a case of i wanted to be able to make the physicals um because we had such great artwork and all that stuff and that's where i'm rooted do you know what i mean that's what i grew up with grew up with vinyl cds and stuff like that so but yeah i, I, I never wanted to exclude anyone from being able to listen to the album so you know for people who purely listen on digital it's out there now and um yeah you can go and listen to it on on any of those digital platforms uh and then as i say once you've heard the record come to the gigs man come down and check it out should be really cool uh, yeah. obviously it's just me and my little red box again but um you know, that that's what it is. That's what it is. I don't I don't think that's to it to the show's detriment at all. You know, the, the kind of music I'm doing, it's shut your eyes and lose yourself sort of stuff. So no, I'm I'm really looking forward to it and um been doing a little bit of press and stuff, uh few little local radio interviews and stuff and it's all good man you know what i mean it's all, it's all really good really excited about it
1: i saw that uh on you're selling shirts on the uh website so you can obviously buy the the album and you can buy the shirts are you going to be selling shirts uh in person
0: yeah yeah there's going to be merch available on the day and that's something that i've had to it's difficult again, man. Do you know what I mean? Because the beauty of selling the stuff that I sell on town's end in terms of t-shirts is at this point, the made to order and you know, without making too much bones about it, I'm not fucking rolling in money. Do you know what I mean? So when you're like, okay, we've got a tour coming up. How many t-shirts do I get made? Do you know what I mean? Because you then stuck in the quandary of, well, if I make too many, then that's, you know, it's dead money or whatever, so to speak. So, yeah, that's that's kind of a tricky thing to gauge to work out how many shirts to make. As I say, on towns and the shirts are made to order, and all the other products have been manufactured. So there's no, you know, that is what it is. That's just stuff that needs to get sold off. But yeah, if you, if you consider you're doing a tour and you've got X amount of tickets sold, X amount of people there, you need to work out exactly how much stock you need, which can be quite tricky to be honest. But um, yeah, you just got to play it by ear, which is effectively what I'm doing.
1: Well, heck, man, it's good podcasting again, and uh, I don't know when we're going to do the next one. I hope it's soon, but by then you'll be touring, uh, and then all this stuff that we're talking about is already going on. So maybe you can even, uh, when you're out there, uh, see if you can get some recordings while you're out there. Maybe talk to some folks or something.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that'd be good. Maybe me and Mickey could do a bit of a, a podcast while we're out there. That might be cool. I mean, it might not have the production value that this has, obviously, with the proper setup and the full mics and that, but it would be great to capture some content out on the road and you know maybe that's something i need to plan around but yeah i mean like you say man it's it, it's been great to do a podcast again and hopefully uh i know you're coming up to some really busy times um but hopefully you might have a few windows yeah where we can bounce sometimes around try and sort some stuff out um but yeah i mean that's probably gonna do it just about for this episode but one thing i would like to point out as well is uh the competition that's running for the gigs. Um. Now, I'm pretty sure it's for all the gigs, but basically, if you're buying a ticket for the gigs, you're automatically entered into like a, a prize draw to win a signed copy of the album. So that's like a, a nice little extra incentive uh, for people who might be on the fence about actually coming to the shows. Um, you get a chance to win a copy of the record. Um, which is really cool, obviously. So, yeah, man. Um, I hope you have fun jet setting across Europe, Pete, as usual. And yeah, I hope to see as many people as possible coming out to watch the show. I I, I know both me and Experiment Six Three Seven. We both really, really appreciate it. Do you know what I mean? We really appreciate people coming out and um watching us. And and as I say, we'll be doing meet and greets and that. And I'll be I'll be around generally probably around the merch stall (laughs) is where I'll be hanging about but yeah it'll be um, really exciting to get out there and and meet fans and and play stuff again for people so yeah I think that's going to do it about for this episode Uh, and thank you for listening and yeah uh, I'll endeavour and will endeavour to get some more stuff out soon I mean there might be the scenario where I do some episodes without Pete if we can't hook up Uh, but I'll still be sending it to Pete so that he can edit them so Fuck off, Pete. That'll that'll do it for now. Um, Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you for listening, and we'll speak to you again soon. Fuck off, Pete.